Good morning again. Um, I'm going to read the scripture, get into prayer, and get into the word as quick as possible. Yep. Thank you. All right. Um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 12. It says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who, seek, who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And him who, he who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man there among you, who if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, he would give him a serpent? If you then, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, Whatever you men want, what, so whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Thank you, Father God, for this morning. Thank you that we can come to you. I pray that today we may hear your open invitation to us to pray, to the speaker and to the hearer alike. May we hear you. May our hearts be changed by your word. May our lives be directed by your word. May our actions and our thoughts and our deeds be what comes from your word. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're talking about prayer. We've got an, inv an invitation, an open invitation here to pray. One of the greatest short-term tragedies of the church today is that we are so much not inclined to pray. We, we, we have got a leaky inclination towards prayer. We, 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 are, we are preoccupied with other things other than prayer. And this has been very interesting for me because this year um, the elders um, have had, had a time in the beginning of the year where we decided, okay, we're going to focus on prayer this year and what are the things that each one of us is going to focus on praying for. And each of the elders came back um, from their time with God with something that they will be praying for for the whole year. And um, so we were very focused on prayer. And then we had a meeting where we spoke, to, we spoke about the heritage of Broadway with some of the members of Broadway. Um, I remember that day. And one thing that came up was that we need to go back to prayer. And so prayer has been something that has been very close to my heart. Uh, my kids' church leaders will tell you that every time we've met this year, it has been about prayer. Uh, my youth leaders as well, every time we've shared, uh, we've met together and shared a devotional, it's been about prayer. Prayer has been something that is very important in my heart this year. And that does not mean that I do it well. I should just put that out there. I don't do it well at all. I think that is why God has had it in my heart. And so I'm learning as much as you are learning as well. As we walk through this, I want us to walk through it knowing that we are on the same plane here. 
And there might be other people who are really good, who have spent a lot of time in prayer, who are prayer warriors. We know we've got people praying at the back. We've got people who come and pray for people here. We've got a lot of prayer going on. We've got prayer on Tuesday here that the elders instituted. Amazing. God is doing great things. But we are still being called by Jesus to come to prayer. He invites us to pray. Some people might say that he doesn't just invite us, he lovingly commands us to pray. We need to make prayer a habit. We need to make prayer a holy habit that we keep. Um, and prayer doesn't, you don't need to be kneeling down or to be, um, you can pray anyway. Prayer is the attitude of the heart. You pray in your heart whether you're driving. You pray in your heart. Those are good times actually to pray when you're driving and you're on your own. Switch off the radio. We've heard too much of the news. Pray. Spend time with Jesus. You can pray when you're in your office. You can pray when you are busy. Um, I've heard of stories of um, uh, some of the people, uh, Brother Lawrence, who wrote Practicing the Presence of God, he says there were times where he's working in a very busy place in a kitchen of a hotel, very busy. And in that moment, in those moments that are busy, he finds quiet time within himself amongst the busyness and spends time in prayer. So we are called to prayer, and prayer can be done anyway. So the prayer that we're looking at today, Jesus uses three words, ask, seek, and knock. Those are the three words that Jesus uses. And if you look at these words, they are progressive intensity. There is a progressive intensity here from asking to seeking and to knocking. Jesus is telling us that we have to have intensity, we have to be passionate, but also we have to, to be persistent in prayer. Jesus is saying to us, it's not just, it's not just asking. It's not just seeking. It's not just knocking. It's all three put together. And in asking, we can ask for something. In seeking, we can seek God's face. In knocking, we can persevere in, doing, in, in prayer, in calling what God calls to be that is not yet. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 tells us that pray and pray in the Spirit. This is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he's speaking to them after he has spoken about that we don't fight against flesh and blood and he gives them the full armor of God. Then he says towards the end, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all God's people. He's saying pray with all kinds of prayer. There are prayers of asking, there are prayers of seeking, there are prayers of knocking. And with those different types of prayers, we've had a lot of different types of prayers people talk about. Intercession, prayer of agreement. We've had different types of prayers that people talk about. But Paul is telling us that in all those types of prayers, we need to always pray in the Spirit. He says, pray in the Spirit at all occasions. All occasions means whether in our busy time in our life, whether in our downtime in our life. We don't need to wait for, an, for a specific occasion. In all occasions, we pray. 
Prayer should be part of our lives as believers. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, we've been going through the book of Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 6, which we've passed already, Jesus spoke already about prayer. Sometimes someone would think it feels redundant that he speaks about it again. But no, he speaks it about it again because he wants us to realize the importance of prayer. Prayer is extremely important. In the life of a believer, a believer who does not pray is a believer who does not really live as a believer. When you live as a believer, you pray. You spend time in prayer. So we hear this threefold description of prayer of asking, seeking, and knocking. Those are different aspects of prayer, but we are called to pray all those types of prayers. Prayer is like, us, prayer is like asking in that we simply make a request to God. And everyone who asks does what? Receives. So it tells us that receiving is the reward of asking. When we ask, the reward for asking is receiving. And then as well, prayer is like seeking and searching after God in his word, searching for his will, and he who seeks finds. And then it tells us that finding what we are seeking is the reward for seeking. There's rewards in those things. I want you to see those rewards because those are motivations for us to spend time in prayer. So when we ask, our reward is receiving. When we seek, our reward is finding. And then as well, prayer is like knocking in, an open, in a door that is not open to get the door open. It talks about, um, some, some people have said it talks about us knocking in the doors of God's palace in heaven and saying, we need this, Lord, or we need you, Lord, or whatever. And what we find from knocking is the door that is open for us. So in a way, entering through that open door into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of this great God that we serve, is a reward for us knocking. And it's the best reward of them all. It's better than finding. It's better than receiving. Walking through that door into his kingdom is the biggest reward that we have. So I want to encourage you with those three things that we need to ask the Lord. But when we ask the Lord, we ask in confidence and humility. We pray and go to God with confidence because we are his children. And we're going to see that as we go on in the scripture. So we ask in confidence. What are some of the bold, confident prayers that you've had in the last few weeks? Some people are so afraid to ask God for things. God is not going to hit you over the head because you ask for things. So we ask confidently. He says, come confidently to the throne room of grace so you may obtain mercy in times of need. He's inviting us to come with confidence. But that confidence is not a prideful confidence. It's a humble confidence. We come to him humbly, but confident that he is our father. And then he says, seek with care and application. We take care to seek after God. And we apply ourselves in seeking after God in prayer. And I, I'm encouraged 
knowing that it's not just I come with confidence and with humility, but also there's application where I apply myself into this and say, Lord, I'm taking this time to seek you. There was a time, I think it was a year ago or two, my, my mother-in-law was here. She had come from, uh, from she, she was a missionary at the time in South Africa, and they had come o- she had come over, um, and she wanted to spend time with God, to seek God. It was a very interesting thing watching somebody who, who has got health issues that don't allow him, for example, don't allow her, for example, to exercise the gift, uh, to exercise the, um, the discipline of fasting as much, but seeing her take that time and say, Bes- besides all my health issues, I'm going to take time and go away. She went away to a campsite in the bush with nobody, and spent time seeking, seeking the Lord. seeking the Lord for direction. And it was a challenge to me that how many times do I take time to go away from all these things and just seek God? Sometimes it takes not just going away physically, but going away as well emotionally and in our minds to go and seek God in a specific place. How are we doing Broadway with taking time to, to be careful and apply ourselves in seeking God? The third one is knock. And it says, we knock with earnestness. And we knock as well with perseverance. We knock on the door over and over and over again. We don't give up in prayer. God values our persistence and passion. Let's read from Luke chapter 1, sorry, chapter 18. It's a good example that Jesus gives of knocking persistently. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, or I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps knocking and bothering me, I will see that she gets that justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out day and night to him? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get the justice quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And in the beginning of this, Jesus says, tells them this story and says, this is how you should pray and not give up. We knock until the door is open. We continue to pray until God shows us what exactly do we need at that point. Sometimes we might find that something that we're asking for is not what we need. But we continue to knock until we get an answer. And the answer might be different than what we thought it would be. 
And then he goes on and says, God is a father. He says, amongst us, who is a father amongst us who would give their children a stone when they ask for bread? I, I, I watch a lot of fathers, um, and I'm a father too, and I enjoy that. But I enjoy watching fathers interact with their kids. Um, I, there was a time where um, I'd seen um, Jeff and his daughter Beth downtown somewhere driving and I say to him that Sunday night when I, I had seen them, I think it was in the week or it was the weekend, I don't remember, but that Sunday night I remember I say to him, I saw you downtown uh, driving with your daughter the other day and you seemed to be having a grand old time. And he said to me, oh yeah, we do that to go and, um, uh, and look for hippies <laughs> and watch for hippies around. So it was very funny to hear that, but it was something that's fun that he does with his daughter or that he did with those daughter on that day, but it was something that shows that connection between the daughter and the father. Same thing as the son. There is that connection that comes in. And one of the truths that we can know about us is that we are God's children. He is a father to us. But in saying that, Jeff might have been, yeah, I'm sure Jeff is one of the greatest father to, um, he's the greatest father to his, uh, to his daughter. But, but one thing that we, we don't realize that when Jesus compares this to, he realizes that the earthly fathers are sinful. He realizes the fallenness of earthly fathers and compares it to God, the perfect father. Our earthly fathers might have the greatest intentions, but still they are fallen. They will fall short. Our earthly fathers might be somebody that we look up to or somebody that we don't look up to. But we need to realize that those are fo that's fallen humanity. It belongs to the human nature to have that fallen part of it. But for God, it's different because in Psalm 27, 10, he says he will not forsake us. He is a father who will not forsake us. We've seen fathers leave their homes, leave their children. But God is a father who loves us and cares for us. So, having said that God is a loving father, some of you have got a question now that, so does this mean that we get everything that we want, that we've prayed for? I'm going to read, there, there are a few reasons that I could give you, but I'm going to give you two reasons. I'm going to read one of them from James chapter 4, verse 3, from the Amplified. He says, you ask, you ask God for something and do not receive it, because you ask with wrong motives, out of your selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda, so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. That's one reason. The other reason we don't get what we want is that God is a perfect father. He knows what we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. If what father can give a child, if an earthly father does not give their child a scorpion and they ask for egg, turn it around. How much more would God, when we ask for a scorpion, 
Would he give us something that is dangerous to kill us? No. He's a father. He knows our needs. He knows the comparison between what we want and what we need. The implications in this is that he will never, he will never ever give us what is bad for us. He is our father. He knows what we need. God is more knowing than our earthly parents who are sometimes so often foolishly fond of us. But God is wise, infinite. He knows what we need and what we desire and what fits us. So when you go and you pray and you ask, you can have the confidence that God knows what you need and is going to meet what you need. It might not be what you ask for. If my three-year-old today would ask me um, for a handgun, oh, she's four, by the way, oh, yeah. If my four-year-old today would ask me for a handgun for herself, I wouldn't buy her a handgun. It's something that she might want, but it's not something that I would get it. I would get it because I know I'm the father. I know what she needs. So how much more, and I'm evil, fallen. I've got shortfalls. How much more the perfect father knowing what we need? God is more kind than us. His mercies endure forever for us. And then Jesus goes on to something that seems weird and jumps off from this prayer seeking and asking. Then he speaks about the golden rule. I had always wondered why he does that until I get, got time to, to look at this and restudy it. And it was very interesting to me. He, he links asking, seeking, and knocking, and finding, and all those rewards with do unto others as you want them to do unto you. That fulfills the prophets. Seems out of, out of place. But there's one thing that challenged me when I was reading this, was that we cannot expect to receive good things from God if we do not... If we, if we do not do fair things to other people. We can't expect God to bless us and receive the good things if we are not fair to others. If we are not honest and if we're not lovely and have a good report amongst men, how do we expect God to give us good things? Christians have had the whole thing, a lot of times we've had the whole thing of that, oh yeah, as long as between me and God we are fine, I don't care about everybody else. But that's a problem. Jesus died on a cross which was open this way. It was not this way, it was that way. It tells us there's a relationship between God and me, but there's a relationship with one another. You caring about the next person, justice for the next person, to you is part of you being a Christian. If you're a Christian who thinks only me, myself, and I, and God, there's a problem. We are called into a community. We are not called into a society. I said this to the leaders yesterday, that we, we have circled for a society instead of a community. In a society, we can work well with one another, but there is not deep relationships, there is nothing. But in a community, we work in deep, connected relationships. So we need to care for others. 
If we're going to say that we're going to ask the Lord, we're going to beseech the Lord, we're going to um, knock, we're going to seek, we need to be able to realize that it's hypocrisy to do that and to be devout in that way when we are not honest with one another and where we are. That's hypocrisy. It's not like our Father. So I think Jesus links those things to show us the importance of this relationship and this relationship. That they come together in the center. We must not only be, be, uh, be devout, but be honest, or else our devotion is hypocrisy. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2 in the message, I like the way that Eugene puts this. He says, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their, fa- from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love us in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. But I like the part that it says, watch what God does and then do it. Because then you are like children who are learning proper behavior from their parents. We learn from our father. We need to be like our father. If we claim God to be our father, who will not give us a serpent when we ask for fish, then we need to be like our father. We need to have the likeness of our father. Jesus did not come just to teach us how we, we are to be with one another and the people that we are around, how we are just amongst ourselves as Christians. But Jesus came to tell us even though, he came to teach us how to also behave amongst people that are not Christians like us. He's giving us a rule here, which applies to everybody, whether a believer or not. Whosoever that you have anything to do with, Christ is calling you to treat them in the same way you would want to be treated in any way. It's funny because Paul uses an analogy of husbands when they don't treat their wives well. He says that your prayers are blocked by that. And I believe that our relationships here can block this relationship. And our relationships here does not mean only amongst us as believers, but with the community that we are around. Towards all men in general, how do we respond? How are we? Three things that are meaning of this rule that Jesus gives. The first thing is that we must do to our neighbor um, that which we think and acknowledge to be fit and reasonable. We need to be reasonable with one another. What we expect is what we need to do. Whether your neighbor is a believer or not, especially if he's not a believer. Number two, we must put other people on the same level with ourselves. The person sitting next to you, the person who's going to be sitting next to you in the bus tomorrow, or the person that's going to be um, walking next to you in the library tomorrow, whether you know them or not, put them in the same level with you. Jesus is calling us not to be people who look down upon one another. 
And number three, we must, in our dealings with men, suppose ourselves in the same particular case and circumstances with those that we have to do with and deal accordingly. It is important for us to realize that all men are created by God and equal. Men and women, that's true, not just men. God has got a plan and a purpose, and he's calling us into this plan and purpose to be part of it. As we seek him, as we ask, as we knock, this relationship is as important as this relationship. When you put those two together, yes, this is the priority, but this is important too. And I challenge you today, Broadway, that as we pray, as we ask God, we have, we've been praying and we're going, to continue, we're going to continue to pray on Tuesdays. We're going to continue to pray in our lives as we go. Um, Tuesdays is corporate. As we go is individual. As we continue to pray and ask God and seek for things and knock, let us be careful that this is not blocked by this not being right. We pray with all types of prayers. But also let us love people with all types of love and care. Let us be people who are relational. Let us be a community, not a society. We are called into community. As we serve him, we serve one another. As we love him, we love one another. As we grow in community with him, in communion with him, we grow in communion and community with one another. He's a loving father who's calling us to that. Let us copy him today. Let us walk the same way he walks. Let us pray as the band comes forward. Father, we thank you that we can call upon you. We thank you that you invite us to relationship with you and to relationship with one another. You invite us to communication with you and communication with one another. You invite us to pray and to live life together. So we ask that you be with us and you'd help us to do that well. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name.